0: All right, everyone, welcome to the Inclusive Activism Podcast. I'm here with some very near and dear friends that I've only just met, but I'm really getting li- Uh, Looking forward to getting to know much more and much more deeply. I have Katie Van Horn and Jackie Clayton from the Inclusive AF Podcast. I love your AF, by the way, too. Like, that's one of the things that I really appreciate most about you and what you do. And so we're going to have them with us for the next 40, 45 minutes-ish. And we're just going to kind of, like, have, like, the diversity inner circle roundtable and let you listen to, like, the breakthroughs, the breakdowns, the laughs, the the cries that happens in our world uh, and we're going to kind of share some of that stuff with you but before we do that i'm a big believer in letting people uh speak for themselves and so i would love for you to introduce yourself in the words and language that you feel most comfortable with who are you how did you get into this work and if they want to get a hold of you later like what do you do and how could they get a hold of you any person want to go first katie does All right. He
1: does. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) I'm Katie Van Horn. Um, I lead BH Included Consulting and Coaching, and I do consulting for organizations around strategy for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and also help with implementations. I am a a cisgender female, white, from Ohio originally, and have lived in Arizona for most of my adult life with a few brief stints in, in different states. I am an auntie to 9,000 nieces and nephews, and I'm kind of not exaggerating when I say that, Um, and you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, and also on the Inclusive AF podcast with my amazing co-host Jackie Clayton. Oh,
2: my God, you can find me there, too. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jackie Clayton. I'm a lovely shade of brown, um, a cisgender female. She, her, hers pronouns. Um, I spell my name funny, Jackie with a Y-E. Um, I refer to myself as Black. I always make sure that that's, that is mentioned. Um, I So I'm the diversity, equity, and inclusion strategist for a software company called SeekOut, where we help people find candidates and potential uh, candidates for their organizations when they're looking for diverse talent. Um, So, my background's really in the HR recruiting and HR tech space. And so I kind of bring all of those things forward. Did I do good? I think I did good. I think you did.
0: Yeah, I think you did. You have the job when they're like, when everybody looks around and they're like, wait, everybody looks the same. And they finally figured it out after 45 years, they called Jackie.
2: (laughs) Right. And then my favorite thing, since you said what we were going to talk about, uh, some of the things that we were going to talk about. And I didn't, I couldn't, you know, there's some things that I tweet out when I get a little, triggered Mm -hmm. but then there's some things that i just can't do can i share it i didn't know if you had anything else so this is my favorite like people will say so how do i reach out to diverse candidates which is like Like, there's no, what do you mean? Like, it, I mean, at, this is after you've gone through everything. By the time you have people that are finding diverse talent, you've already talked about like explicit and implicit bias. You've talked about like the gaps in hiring. You've talked about the history of what they're hiring. And then you go through all these things and then they're like um, basically telling you like, I don't know, I'm afraid to talk to black people. And I never know what to say. Like, and, and how I am I supposed friends. to reach out? You don't even have friends. <laughs> But I mean, why is it any different? I mean, it's like, okay, maybe, I, you know what? No, I'll lose my job. I was going to say, maybe I'm going to start saying, I think you should just go in and just tell them that they're Black and you want to hire them because of that.
0: You're Black, like, as they walk around on the street. Right.
2: right. I don't know. I think it's funny when pe- that people have, it, I mean, we talk about being there being a separation that recognizing, because we don't see it every day, but we see it in our work, how huge the gap is. Yeah. Like, it's huge. Yeah. And there are some times where you're just like, I don't know. Sometimes I laugh and sometimes, you know, I'm just deep in some Ben and Jerry's with a tear. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do the next day.
0: So I have a follow-up question I want to ask you, Jackie, because like you is said, it what flavor,
1: flavor of ben, ben and Jerry's? Cause that's what I want to know, Rowdy. What oh, flavor no, of ahead. Ben and Jerry's? Chunky monkey. Thank you. All right. Now you can follow up with the
0: appropriate question. <laughs> oh God. All right. So Jackie, what do you do when they're like, okay, we want to hire people really They're it, Cause this, this is what they say. We want to hire people, but you, what they really want is they want tokens. Right. How do you deal with that when they're like, Jackie, like, we want it to look a little bit different here. But really what we were hoping for is, do you have some like token, like black and brown people we can hire that aren't going to make it waves? And like, like how do you navigate that problem?
2: no. <laughs> um I usually I wish they would say that. It would make it a lot easier instead of having to you know weeks to get there. Usually what I do is I ask them what their plan is. What is their strategy? What are their key performance indicators? How are they measuring success? And if they don't have any of that, then I say, "We need to start someplace else. Let's start with that. Where are your goals? Let's start with that." And like, "How what do you what do you have in place?" To support these people is generally what I'll ask. Whatever the group is. Because, yes. <laughs> you know, it's funny. And, and I, you know, when we were talking about people that, like, are, are disabled, right? And you have a house that has, like, three stories in it. You wouldn't just invite a bunch of people in wheelchairs to your house. Right. And then just be like, good luck. I invited them. You know, like... How am I, you know, you would do something about it. You would not invite them to your house. You would make sure that you had a ramp you would, and it would be no question. So it's always funny when you have other things where we're talking about equity and inclusion, like that people don't think that they have to prep and plan if they're changing things, especially the culture. Yeah, But I do stress a lot that there's going to be conflict. And I think that's the other part, because what you're talking about is very adequate. Like, I want somebody who looks different than me, but thinks the same way as I do. And it's, I think it's always a shock for people. Like, in, in my case, like, I know how to fit in in various groups. And then if I have to go off on people, people are, like, actually shocked. And me, I'm always shocked that it's taken that long. Like, you've never seen that before. Like, you, that means we're not friends. <laughs> that's what bro, I basically bro. mean. <laughs> For Katie. <laughs> um, I just think it's amazing. I, I think it's amazing that people think that they want to do the token stuff. It, I mean, that's the wrong way to do it. But I usually, gen- I generally start by showing them how many people they've lost in the last year so usually we're able to go in and sit and analyze the problem right away
0: that's good that's really effective like one of the things I I worked for the company and they were like we want to like interview people and I'm like so your metric is people you don't hire just people that you interview is that what you want and they're like yeah maybe that's the wrong metric right (laughs) I'm like
1: Nope, that seems totally solid. Solid plan. Maybe. Go for that.
0: We just want to talk to him, not hire him. <laughs> <laughs> and call him. <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: just go to Starbucks. But, uh, but here's you. the thing. You know, you're using language, so Rowdy, of like, oh, we want a token. And to Jackie's point, I wish they were that transparent. Because a lot of times you're like, no, we're fully vested in this. And this is something that's very important to us. And we're all in. And then you start actually picking apart what they're doing. And you're like, no, you're not not. No, you're not doing the things. You're not doing what you need to do. You're not looking at the data. You're not asking the questions. And so there is that like kind of moment of truth almost of like, okay, are you truly invested or is this just a check the box activity? And to your point, like, do you just want a token, whatever Mm -hmm. that you can put on your career page to say, look, we have a black person, check them out. Aren't they fancy? Come and look. You know what I mean? So I think there's those the questions you have to ask when you're starting to work with a client, I think they're, you can find out real quick how truly committed they are or not.
0: One of the things I'm curious to ask you all about it's because it's one of the things we're starting to find in higher ed that's really problematic, and it's and it's super nuanced and complicated, right? Is we'll have folks that kind of like tokenize themselves because like you learn this as a person of color, you're like you have to kind of like do these things in order to be successful. You have to speak and do whiteness in a specific way. And like, we get rewarded for those things as people, of non-white people. And then it's hard because like, we're like, oh, you're, you kind of are gonna come in here and not really give us the diversity we want because like you've been in, enculturated into tokenism. And then we have white folks that know and understand better and can push stuff, but then they're also not from diverse backgrounds. And we're finding this, ourselves in this really huge catch 22 because we like hiring a token can be worse. Right? Because that can take you backwards because people can be like, Yeah, absolutely you should do this. And they're like, No, that's the exact wrong idea. But it's also hard because like again, people of color have like taught been taught over and over again. Do and perform and act in whiteness ways and you will be rewarded for those things. And it's not like we can stop the interview and get like, hold on, like Steve no, you can just be really like you, do because we need a real you, right? Like but
2: that help. could be a real them. That's, that's the thing true. that I always I deal with. Like, I always say I'm a Black woman of privilege that's lived, like, but I've, I was always the only Black person there. So I'm not acting any certain kind of way. This is the way I am. Right. It, it took until I was an adult to meet other people like me that had those same experiences. But I am always quick to tell people when some of these things started coming out, when people started looking for more diverse talent, i recognized my privilege and i i should pat myself on the back for this because this was when we weren't even talking about this stuff and i was like i'm not the person that you're looking for if you're trying to make impact right like i'm not you're not gonna get you know some big thing you didn't take me from a certain background or give me opportunities that i didn't have like i Um, I'm like an entry person and I, and I always laugh. There's I have a, I have a friend that, um, we used to be coffee friends. One was, um, she was lesbian and another one that was Jewish. And we used to always say we were the tokens because we would get invited to all these parties. Right. And we would be the, we would look at each other's like, I'm the only black person. She'd be like, I'm the only, you know, there's the one. Cause and I live in a small town. It's like I'm the one trans person this person knows. And I was invited yeah. because, you know, they're on like the young Democrats and they're trying to show that they have people in these groups. Um, but I still think I I think you don't want people say that they want people like that, but they don't. No. They don't. I mean, you don't, it, unless your culture is already like that. And if your culture is so far already like that, then you don't have a problem, you know? So, I mean, but I do think it's hard. I always, I feel work. I mean, there's, everybody has their stories. But when it comes to this work, I always feel bad for my little best friend, Katie. Because I know people come to her. Like, people still come to me with some crazy stuff where I'm like, I can't believe you just said that. But I think Katie gets it worse where they're like, oh, Katie, you teach diversity, but you're white. So let's just not talk about like, can we not talk about white privilege in this class because people don't like that. And then Katie's like, Katie coming out of the closet, I think is more aggressive than me coming out of the closet (laughs) when Katie's like, no, and we're dealing with this right now. Well, but that's also part of my privilege that
1: I can and I can call people to the carpet to be like, you're you've lost it. It's not this is not okay." And no, we're not going to shut down this conversation because it is a difficult one or it might make people uncomfortable. And and I think that's part of this, too, is we all need to be in in on the conversation. And Rowdy, to your point, I think one of the things that we're finding as well within this world of like DEI consultancy,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: people of color have just been nominated as, hey, you need to do this work. And there is this, also this like lack of what are the actual steps and the things you need to do to create change? And so they're coming at this from... A place of ignorance not and it's not their fault they've just been placed into this role and it's like go do the thing and they don't know how and so i think there's also like what are what a disservice we're doing to people of color to not give them the tools and also have these conversations that this is actual real work and it's kind of like i mean hr i've been in hr forever And similar situation for our industry where it was like, oh, we could just have, you know, the admin can just be the HR person too. That's right. And you're like, that's cute, but let me tell you how you're not going to get sued because that's what I know. Your admin can fill paperwork out, but I can also make sure you don't get sued. And I think that's the approach that Jackie and I both take because we have this HR background. She has this recruiting background and like the tools that she has. One of the, the challenges that so many companies have right now is... We want to source for more diverse talent, but at what point do we identify what, you know, what categories they are or how they identify or whatever it might be without getting into legal trouble? Yeah. And so that's, you know, a conversation that every organization is having right now and that Seek Out is trying to really answer the question of, of like, how do we do this the right way legally to make sure that, you know, down the line, it isn't, oh, you didn't hire me because I am this. And so there's also that piece, like having that HR background, I think is very helpful for organizations because
2: we Absolutely. can hear the things you also need to be wary of down the line. Well, and I think I'm going to say it, and I hope the right people are going to hear this. Like when you, you're talking about, when you talk about tokenism and then you want the oppressed person to have the energy and power to not only take on additional work You want the black person to go teach the white people about how to deal with black people? Like, that's how we got into this mess in the first place. I'm not doing that for you. Someone asked me if I wanted to do something on fun day for like for Black History Month. And I go, so you want me, the black person, to not have fun on fun day so I can do more work for the white people? No. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Someone asked me once. And Rowdy, to your point, for free. Absolutely. For for free. That's the the bigger piece, too. It's also the
1: go do these things, which take emotional labor, which labor labor. Right. And aren't fun to really dig in on. I was just into something earlier about, you know, that their Black history Month always included watching Roots. And how, like, traumatizing every single year it was to watch Roots, like, which is, not a, a fun movie nope. not a good not read fun. like it's brutal yeah. and then and, and it was like oh this is what we do to celebrate Black History Month like how is that a celebration how is that something that's good that's to, not it, a
2: celebration no not I at saw all. something that said let's change it to Black Heritage Month because there are people it's not just history like there are things going on right now that people need to pay attention to
0: mm-hmm.
2: absolutely but people but, in general, they try. Some people try. But in general, I, they just... Well, I think everybody's yeah.
0: trying. It's just hard because we don't live in a society that, where it's okay to admit you don't know. Right? Because, like... Absolutely. I'm just going to ask you, Katie. Like, so you have to get, like, t- like, two really interesting, disparate situations, right? Because my partner's white. She does some DEI work as well. And so she'll walk into space and she'll see, like, the people of color and they're like, mm Like, who are you? Like white lady, okay, right. We'll see how this goes. Or you've got the person that's been put in charge and they're like, oh my God, like like I'm lost. I have no idea what to do. Like, so you get like such disparate approaches. Like, what is it like attempting to navigate that?
1: I think it's fun personally, but I'm a very odd person. (laughs) So for me, I think it's great because I can go into a situation and I think the approach that I always take is I'm just here to learn and I'm just here to grow and I'm on a journey as well. And so for me, I know that I can say certain things in a room that some other people might not be able to. And I also can go in as a consultant and you Rowdy and I, you and I've had this conversation as a consultant, I can say a lot of things that an employee cannot. And I'm like, they can be mad at me. It's okay <laughs> that's part of part of the fun but it's also to to your point like there are conversations that I'm like whoa 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 just because I'm white does not mean I'm cool with this conversation or that this is okay and so it is it's just bringing everybody along of like why I actually do this work and one of the main things for me I truly believe in You know, being that ally and not because I need to be the voice, but to bring other people into the room so their voice can be heard. And also I know, like I said, that I can say things to a white man that Jackie cannot. And I can say things to a white woman that Jackie cannot. But I also know there's things that I can't say that Jackie can. That you better not say. I better not say. (laughs)
2: Let me make a list. Um... (laughs) Insame um, insane on, on my side. Like yes. I am not. I usually at those moments I call Katie and I'm like, okay, Katie. Yeah. <laughs> this is where I'm at.
0: It's like the yeah. lifeline. You're like, you're on Who Wants to be a Millionaire? And I'm like, I need a lifeline. Right
1: we do it life to life. each other all the time. You I like every other day. Yeah. Like the other day I had someone who was like, we don't want to say the words white supremacy because it's a hot topic right now. And I was like, um, but that's what it is. So <laughs> this is going to be difficult to not say those words.
0: <laughs> as a communication person, I just want to make a new word and be like, okay, here's the new word. It equals white supremacy. Does that make you feel better? Right, like we
1: still right. Deal with this. <laughs> well, it's like the same thing as like privilege. People are so opposed to using the word privilege and are so like, oh, not me. I don't have privilege. Not me. I, my life has been very hard. I don't know
2: if you guys know this. Very hard. Um, That's my favorite. (laughs) My favorite is when you're talking about cotton, slavery and black people picking cotton and they're saying, well, my grandpa was a cotton farmer. Like those are the conversations that push me right. Not, I mean, I'm dangling. Like (laughs) I have to like do yoga, you know, take like,
0: like- he got
2: paid, right? And like he did that a, by choice. Wasn't that a choice? A and i I think, I think that that is that is kind of what how Katie and I got closer. I mean, we were we were friends anyway, but as we were both because we're both a air quote experts because you learn something every single day. So mm-hmm. we're not experts. We just make this this is our focus area so we've got a lot of things that we can recall that we're looking at experiences um but there's always something that will come up and you're like it's almost like gaslighting so often all the time that you really think you're crazy i mean yes. and it sounds nuts and i'm sure you know where you're like so is it okay to say that word? like I, I so many people say it, you know is are, are we allowed are you know, or um you'll I, we talk about language a lot, and it is there's so many things that people get wrong because it's hangovers at a time where people were trying to get things right. And you're like, I don't is this right? I'm so confused I'm so confused it
0: just feels well, odd and that drive to be right is like such the problem because there's no right to it like i tell people if i could just touch you on the forehead and teach you everything you need to know that i know about diversity you'd still start making mistakes tomorrow because i still do too right um so what, this leads me to one of the things i wanted to talk to you all about so how do y'all approach our attempt to navigate like the whole reverse racism thing when it comes up and you can reverse it with whatever one you want. You could reverse it with sexism. You could reverse it with racism. Like, how do you even begin to start that issue when it happens?
1: Lots and lots of vodka. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, That's after. Right.
0: <laughs> Immediately after the conversation. In the
1: moment, I don't do that. Um, for me, it's it, it's asking them to explain what they mean and like really pushing them on defining it and helping them to actually like try to explain it, which they can't most of the time. And so it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like privilege. Like when they start talking about, no, 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 my life was hard. It's the same idea. Like when you're talking about this reverse racism, you're like, explain to me why you think that is a thing, why you think that you have been somehow, put into a bad spot, whatever you you know, whatever the conversation is. And usually, you know, once you start to talk through it, it, um, they kind of teach themselves, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, 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 and that's actually a good thing in my mind. Cause a lot of it is like getting them there on their own is a lot better than you just telling them. Yeah. So like asking them questions and probing into why they believe a certain belief. Yeah. That's what, that's the approach I take. I don't know, Jackie, do you have? Yeah,
0: I'm sure.
2: Yeah, I teach, um, one of the things I do I call it adventures and privilege because there are so many different layers of privilege. Um, and generally what I, I do is I, I have a string and I have these little, like, you know, little beads where, of these situations have happened to you, you get a bead and if it doesn't, then you take it off. And so some of the questions are like, you don't have to fear about being discriminated against about your religion. People don't assume that you're not an American citizen, like all of these different things. And what's interesting, I do that because one of the things that it's very important to me is that all of the trainings are not geared just towards white people understanding black people. It's black people having to navigate through this and trying to reduce some of the trauma as well. So by doing it this way, then the people who automatically feel like they're disenfranchised can still celebrate some of the ways that they are privileged and think and still buy into the conversation mm-hmm. to know that even though we know that like we have all these different experiences to to realize that they there are privileges that they may have as well. Um and again, we tell story we ask people to tell stories and I think it's amazing to get people to to say it because that's to Katie's point, like it's getting them to say it. Like, I'm not going to say that's complete bogus. Y- you will end up feeling that way as you're going through that. Cause it's a personal journey. And I think yeah. that's, what's, that's what's so complex about this work is that it's not like learning how to make a cake. And now you know how to make a cake. It's yeah. like, you know, I've never seen flour before, or I didn't realize that butter was made out of milk. You know, like all of these things. That and then they're like, "Whoa! Like cows do that? Like you're you're completely blowing their mind." So you have to ease into it, and I do it through through storytelling and getting people to acknowledge those things. But I think the white privilege thing from last year, whatever, is like when people say, "You know, I'm not privileged." I, I that is the cringe. That's probably the cringiest reverse <laughs> reversal in the world. Yeah. And, for, and I'll go ahead. Oh, I'll also say
1: like we um were very fortunate to hear from one of your friends, um, a client of mine had him in for a fireside chat and um Calvin Terrell
0: mm-hmm. talked
1: about privilege and put it in this a, a really interesting story and I'm not gonna do a good job of interpreting it. So keep me honest here. But it was really the, the story of like going into a store right before a holiday weekend and knowing that all the stores were going to be closed. And he had 10 minutes, but he was on a phone call. And so he's trying to rush, rush, rush to get the person off the phone so he can get inside because he knows he only has a bit of time. And then when he walks into the store, he puts on this persona very, so he's a, a black man, very meek, you know, personality. And I think he even mentioned like almost an effeminate character, like to try to like calm white woman the down that was working the register.
0: To yes. Make there him. you
1: go. Thank you. Yes. So yeah. Use the term partner versus, you know, wife so that he, there was the insinuation that, you know, maybe he was part of the LGBTQ community and then, you know, went about his business. The white woman was okay. Great. Sure. Whatever. And then he walks out of the, the grocery store and walks towards his car and there's another car parked beside it. And that he then, you know, was thinking, oh, okay, I need to kind of yoke up and, you know, be a big man and, you know, be ready because who knows who might be in that car next to me. And then he turned it into like, but if I was a woman, I would be, you know, putting my keys in between my fingers and I would be, you know, dialing 911 and just not pressing send because I don't know if I'm going to get mugged, attacked, raped, whatever it might be. And so, like, that I think was just such an interesting story. I actually want to, like, steal that story out of the whole recording because I think it's just so good, a great way to explain privilege in a way that I think for, you know, if you, if you focus on gender, when you think about privilege, I think it's a little bit easier for people to take,
2: Yeah,
1: but then it is going, okay, let's take that steps further to race, to all of these other things that you need to be aware of. And I, it just was really, really good. And so I think That story, like I've now mentioned it to a few folks because I'm like, it was such a good example of like how you can talk about this stuff in a different way and get people to kind of get there on their own.
0: Yeah, he made it so like intersectional, right? Because he exactly before that he talks about talking to somebody else that's a friend and he talks the way that he normally would. Right. So he brings up kind of like code switching, how you have to code switch when it's time to go in the store and you want to be like taken seriously or like appeased by the people in the store, but then he also checks into his privileged identity when he's like, I don't really have to worry about the, the parked car in the same way because of that. And I think when, when I talk about the, the reverse stuff is I've lo- worked at it linguistically and been like, okay, well, let's look at the word racism. Mean, what does it do, right? It favors one race at the cost of all other races. And I'm like, so I pretend to get like excited. I'm like, wait, where's this place? Where like every other race other than white people are the favored race. And I'm like, "Well, and then I'm like, what would it look like if we reverse sexism? Imagine like every other gender except for men were the people that like got like catcalled and like slapped on the butt." I'm like, "Where is this place? Like show me and tell me like where this is." And then like, I'll do it with uh, classes. I'm like, where's the one place where rich people are the one like socioeconomic group targeted? And then they're like, it, I think it helps them make the connections to the systemics, mm-hmm. right? Because like, then you see like, you can't reverse that, right? And then I'm like, what you may have experienced is white discrimination, which, which can happen, right? But it's like, so, so much of the time, it's just like, can you give them the right language that's to right. understand things, you know, people we, don't
2: know the difference. Go
0: they ahead. don't know the
2: difference between racism, prejudice, bigotry. Yeah. You know, they don't know the difference between, you know, sexual preference, gender norms, pronouns. And um, part of it is what we, we were were fed from like what we read and what we watch and we don't know what it is. And, I think a lot of it comes from this effort of trying to be, you know, the more afraid that people are of making a mistake, the more mistakes they'll make.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I, uh, and I think I'm, I think some of these things do come out of fear where they don't recognize that. I, you know, we still have those same genetics as if we're going to be attacked by a bear. And it's the same when I walk into a room and I'm the only woman or only black woman. And I walk in, it's the same feeling of being attacked by a bear. And I think that it's like, what do you do with all of those emotions? You're trying to hold, suppress all of those things. And to your example, like, just go get the milk. Like, I'm just trying to get milk. Um, I think it's. One way, and it, I, I, one way that we deal with it in my house. My husband's white, and we, I say we because my kids, um, my both of my kids, identify as black, understanding that they have a white father. Um, we called it adventures and privilege. Like there was a time when, when all of these things were going on, especially all the killings and all these things, and it was really painful. Um, and we had a hard time just explaining it and trying to work through it. I mean, not a hard time, but we just wanted our children to to understand you know their place and that and have their value um and somebody said there's no such thing as as white privilege to one of my kids so my husband and we do this thing called adventures in privilege which make us all crack up it's almost like a payback like it'll say no parking and my husband's like i'm parking there (laughs) we'll be like no, like we're gonna get arrested. And will be like, "No, I'm parking there. Watch, and we just start cracking up, like it said only one thing a toilet paper. he's like, "I'm taking two things a toilet paper. I wish somebody would say something, and we just start cracking up because we would never, yeah, you would never do that, never, ever. um, and so I don't know if it's good or bad. I think it's made it worse. I didn't realize how, there was that much privilege. You can get an extra thing of toilet paper too. Like this sucks, you know, but it, he does a very good job of understanding and seeing his privilege. Like when we, if my taillight was out, he's like, you have to drive my car. Like you can't leave the house with the taillight out because you might get pulled over and then something might happen. Um, But I think for him, I think it makes him very sad to see because a lot of people don't recognize these things that have been going on, the system that they are a part of, they are victims of as well that made them feel this kind of way. You've been tricked.
0: Well, I feel like too, even with this, like it's all absurd. Like it's just absolutely absurd. And I think like, one of the things that we get from being in the work so often is like, you have to laugh like laughing, is, like the only way you get out of some of that stuff, but it's hard because like, you can't start with, you should be able to laugh because they're like, no, this, no, no way. Cause like, I can't be racist, sexist, whatever. Right. And I'm like, oh, I'm not trying to call you a thing. I'm trying to talk about behaviors. <clears throat> well, you're talking about behaviors. No one's trying to like slap a label on you. And if you can if you can find levity in moments and see the absurdity of things and laugh at stuff and especially tell stories where you're laughing at yourself, it's just so much more approachable. But it's hard because it's the last thing you get to do at the beginning because it's the thing that's least acceptable in those spaces because everybody's so, like, scared and tight, like it's amazing what y'all do on a day-to-day basis like how you navigate those things over and over again because again I get to be the piss you off guy like most people hire me to make them mad or to like make them uncomfortable <laughs> I need to get I, that gig <laughs> it's because like my first job is just being a communication teacher <laughs> like my second job is like hey I need you to put people in like uncomfortable situations or to push them as far as you could take them and then I'll Like, break apart the things that you said that they couldn't swallow right now or that wasn't processable, right? Like, I'm that thing, like, I get to be, like, in situationally, like, more of the the harder thing to hear because, like, you couldn't always say those things, like, based on where you're at and what you're being hired to do. Like, you need somebody else to say it. You need me for them to be mad at. And then you can be like, well, here's why maybe you shouldn't be mad at what he said and how you can think about it in different ways. Because it keeps the relationship for you. And then they can just be temporarily upset with me.
1: Although but, I- but I think what you're saying is so true, but I also would say it is it goes back to what we already talked about about the fact that you can go into a room and say things rowdy that I can't. Yeah. As a man, you yeah. can go in and say these things and because of patriarchy, because you know whatever you want to call it you can get away with it. If I said, they'd be like, ugh, angry woman, you know, she doesn't know what she's talking about, whatever, whatever. And so I think there's also that piece where I'm like, bring it to be as tough as you want to be because they need to hear it. And to your point, I can help them process through it later Mm -hmm. and it will just be, yes, this is a, a truth that we all need to acknowledge and now let's work through what we do about it. So yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly.
0: Well, and on top of that, like, I pass, and I'm a person of color, Mm -hmm. and I'm male, male, and I'm masculine, and I'm cisgender, like, but I also have this, like, deep memory of, like, all this oppression from my my past, too, and so I get to be more hearable, but it's hard because what frustrates me is, you know, I have a friend named Jackie, too, and she'll say something, and she'll say it perfect, and it's amazing, and it's awesome, and then they're mad at her because she's a black woman, and I'll go stop being mad at her she said something that's true and i'll repeat it and all of a sudden it's listenable and it just it's really frustrating because she's more right faster than i am but you can for some reason listen to me who's lagging truthfully in my knowledge you know like it it's it's i don't know but
2: for some people, I am the bear. Yeah. Me, I'm a black right. person. I'm putting them on defense. And they automatically think it's not, it's still not, even though nobody's gonna come to me and say, can we just not talk about racism in my diversity class? <laughs> they still will come and have different expectations of things that they think that I'm gonna that we're not gonna go over. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and things that are 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 not pleasant, but they they think, oh, she's just going to tell us because that like it's personal. Like all I'm all I care about are black people and women, and I'm going to just tell them that they're all racist. Yeah. sometimes and some days I want to start out just like that. You're all racist. Like just <laughs> class Let's just over. Start there. Let's, Let's start, start there. It. Any tips? <laughs> um, but. I mean, you have to go, we go through this journey together and I think I've been doing it for so long. I know that going in and also just training adults, especially in a work situation, You know, you have the person who this was their idea and they're excited about it. Mm -hmm. You have the people that are like, I don't feel like working, so I'm going to go to the program. And then you have the people that are under duress that don't want to be there, don't think they need to be there, um, already know everything about it. And they are like so woke anyway, you know, and then you have the the completely far like racism doesn't exist, you're anti-American. All of those people statistically are in your class. You know that going in.
0: Yeah.
2: So a lot of times, and I don't know, I, I think I think Katie puts people at ease just kind of giving them like the, the dossier and, and letting them know what there's gonna go and talking about what we're gonna be able to do. Um sometimes depending on the mood i just go in there and shock people at right at the very beginning um like i usually get people to start from the very beginning tell me what you think about being in this class and i think my favorite day was one said i don't even know why i'm here <laughs> i was like oh dear god this you're like i be. do this is going to be a great day. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I There's gotta, a uh, sign. I can help. Um, right. But it is hard because you do have to have, have a relationship. And you do, I mean, these are the people that are paying. And so part of that is making sure you have those conversations in advance. And then you say, this is what you can expect from me. This is what I promise to be able to do. This is how I handle all of these situations. But I think it took me at least five years of doing the work before I realized that um, there is trauma. Everyone has trauma. And there is no one in your class that either wasn't a victim of sexism, racism, you know, all of the isms, or has inflicted that on another person. There isn't one. And so I realize that you can take people back to the place. I mean, Katie and I did it. You remember, Katie, when we did that presentation, all those women were crying. And I was like, oh, shit, that was not the intention. Half yes, of the it was. You can admit it to us. It <laughs> we worked. want to move. it totally, totally <laughs> worked. No, I was like, well, I, my example in this case was talking about how It was a lot of um, older women, women of a certain age, talking to women of another age. And the younger women were saying that they've never had sexism once, whatever. They didn't realize they haven't been victims of sexism and they all work with all women. And then we started I started talking about a story about when you were young and then all of a sudden people were like, oh my God, I had to go to dinner all of those times and they never asked me anything and I thought it was just part of my job or, oh my God, you know, all of these things. And then half the people were crying. Remember? Her? It was like, mm-hmm. wow.
1: But, but also like those are the moments too where you you know that, like I try to explain to people, like you're not going to take everything from every workshop, from every training, from every conversation and be like, got it, set. I'm done. I've got this, like, it's the bias conversation. You cannot go to a two hour bias training and be cured of bias. But like the whole point is, is it's this journey and having those relatable moments, I think in those stories helps people so much because once you can find that connection and once, once you can kind of identify for them, here is something that might be similar that you've lived through that you've experienced at whatever I think that is, that's where the learning happens, but it's also where that emotional attachment occurs. So then it becomes much more real. And it's not just a, listening here's now. here's a concept that this mm-hmm. HR chick taught us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, but and you haven't attention. invited me back. So, Well, maybe. Rowdy was there instead. So. <laughs> Rowdy was busy yelling at them next.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I think I'd like to wrap this up with us asking each other like a question right, Um, to answer because I think that would be the most fun thing to do. So, because this is a question you have to answer that I have the luxury of not needing to worry about needing to answer, is the stupid ROI deal, right? Like, how do you even begin to, like, because, like, for me, I'm like, if you're asking me an ROI question, you don't want to hire me. Like, simple, right? Because, like, i have a job already you know and like if you're asking like me to justify being a good human then don't don't like pick me i'm probably the wrong choice for you like y'all have to answer it like how do you do that like i mean because you do and thank god you do right because like that's how you eat but at the same point in time like that's Tell us about that. We need to understand.
1: <laughs> so for me, I think it is looking at the research and the data that proves out the point that when you have more diverse teams, you have better better business results, bottom line results. That's where I start when I'm talking to the C-suite, is telling them the data of these are what other companies have achieved financially by doing this stuff and also by making it not an HR thing, but making it a business initiative by making it a bit, a part of their business strategy. So it is, Hey, if you want to increase your bottom line results, here's a way to do it. And then you're measuring it by looking at engagement scores by retention by so many different things that, you know, you can measure, but then also like that, that, sentiment of the people so having those conversations and just saying what is the experience like and if you go and ask someone okay hey Jackie what has your experience been at this company oh hey rowdy what's your experience been at this company and it's a completely different experience then you go okay where are those differences and why and and so you can really start to show them, you know, the one I will, I'd like to talk about a lot is compensation. You know, there's a lot of conversations about, you know, equity and pay equity and, you know, how do we achieve pay equity? And one of the things is when you have people coming into an organization, men and women, you are taking a lot of times taking their last salary and giving them an increase off of what was your last salary for women. That means you have baggage throughout your entire career Mm -hmm. for men it's not the case because they are usually at a higher pay scale or, you know, pay higher than the women are. If you have conversations about, okay, now that you're here at the, in the job, when's the last time you had a promotion and start to look at the data there for people of color, for women, for anyone who's non-binary, it's a very different conversation. And so those are types of things that you can start to unpack, like the policies, the procedures, the systems that are, yep, this is the way we do it here. And when you start unpacking those systems and kind of pull back the curtain, there is this like, oh, holy moly, we've got a lot of work to do. And then they start to understand it when you can like show them on paper or like, here's the process and why it's broken. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, where you see the, the benefit and kind of help them along in the
2: conversation. I would agree. I think a lot of what I'm looking at is the actual data and a lot of these people, when they get to a point where they're investing um, all of this money and in, in, in starting to um, to try to see results. In, in my case, my clients call me as soon as they make a diverse hire. They get so excited. Um, my favorite is... Um, when people test seek out and they have a trial, we had somebody hire five black software engineers during the trial in like three days from three days. They were so excited. I didn't have the heart to tell them that they only have to do that like 45 more times, <laughs> but and good keep place them. to start. Yeah. And keep them. Um, but yeah. I think the return of investment and I let them know that I'm just giving them I can give them the information and the data that they weren't looking at before. And it's up to them to make the change. So um, that's how we look at those things that I can bring them insight on retention, um, what's available and give them the tools to make better choices. And so, you know, it takes, it takes a long time, but giving them that information and keep tying in um, keep tying it in and seeing those results and celebrating with them is kind of where we go because i can't put a hard fast line on a return on investment if you're not gonna fire the racist at your company i can't tell you that i'm gonna push the needle yeah so um uh and in fact someone told me this i didn't tell you this katie this is like the freaking bomb um said to me You work so hard on helping utilize data to find good fits technically for organizations and also diverse talent. Why don't you put that same effort in trying to find who is going to be the problematic person at the company? There should be fewer. Like, wouldn't that be easier? And I was like, oh, no, project. Um but I think no, it's said that what Katie does.
1: I like to find the problem children. It's fun <laughs> yes, and exactly. say goodbye. But I, so to add on to that though, just to go back to the return on investment, like I think there's also a piece here that you see like the Googles and Salesforce and some of these other companies that have spent billions with a B of dollars and like Google, I mean, that is a whole conversation in and of itself like what they've done what they've tried to do and how it has failed salesforce is one you know they did the pay equity conversation paid millions of dollars to bring buddy to equity and then had to do it again 3 days later or 3 years later because they didn't change anything in the process systems so it's also like you have to do all the things and you know we talk about systemic and we talk about systems and you know how this actually happens, and, and why does it happen? It's, you have to pick apart all of those systems that will, by people or that people touch. Meaning, every time that you're touching a candidate, every time that you're touching an employee, not actually touching them, like you know, because that would be a whole them. other HR conversation yeah. that we shouldn't have. Yeah. But when you're having those interactions with them or, or working with them on whatever their life cycle is, every point. You have to go, what are we doing here? And how is it working or not working? Where is the bias? Rooting that out and then completely rebuilding it. And so I think that's part of it too, is like, there is this like, oh, we can just flip a switch or just buy a software and we're good to go. And it's like, no, there are a lot of things. Like if you have those managers that are the problem children, that has nothing to do with what amazing stuff Jackie can do for you.
2: That's right. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's just... And you it look at all goes, of it. every single hire that you make, you are changing the company culture, mm-hmm. sometimes just a little and sometimes huge. Mm-hmm. You're either you you base it on a one hour, two hour, three hour, sometimes five hour conversation without realizing, you know, anybody can hold it together for five hours. And then once you have it, you don't know what the impact is. So you have to. Eh, well, some
1: people.
2: Um, So then you have to look at that to really, you have to look at it constantly. So if I could give people one takeaway, it's not going to happen in a one hour, you know, anti-bias class. This is continuously changing. And as the society changes and as we make changes there, then we're going to have, you know, those things happen internally. And so you really need somebody to monitor that, that has that that piece. And it's not the token person Mm -hmm. um, because it's hard work and it's exhausting work and it has to be a labor of love. Absolutely. For everyone in the organization. We love everybody.
0: Yeah. No, I'm saying it has to
1: be a labor of love for everyone (laughs) in the organization. Everyone has to be committed to it. But yes, you also, have, also have to be
2: in in you also by by you will shift the balance, unfortunately. And that's what you see, too. If you have one person that's the token person that's just going to make you hire one certain group, then the scales are tipped off and you've screwed up and you maybe you've gone too far the other way.
0: Yeah, you regress. That's the thing that like we're dealing with is like you get the wrong person. You go backwards. And like, how do you score? Like a a person that we don't have that looks like that in our organization over a white person that gets it, but doesn't look like our student population. And we're just so like stuck in that space.
1: Well, and it's also the whole like, oh, we tried that this one time and it didn't work. So we just aren't going to do it again. And then uh, that one. Yeah, I have to say prayers and, you know.
2: Do some meditation. Sage,
1: (laughs) sage,
0: (laughs) yeah.
2: All the sage therapy, little you know, chamomile tea. I think
1: I think the U.S. is sold out of sage right now, though, because I think it got used a little bit on the twentieth of January in a certain house. And yeah, so uh, Jackie and I were discussing how much sage had to go into the White House.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's still plenty out here. I walk by it every day. Right? Okay. Good. Good. Right there on me oh, and oh. my part. just
2: share that.
0: That would be great. <laughs> so I wanted you all uh, have a chance to ask each other questions too, or, you know, questions for everybody. I'm on ready. <laughs> oh,
2: I'm ready.
1: I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, so I have a client right now. Mm-hmm. They are looking at their holiday schedule.
0: Okay.
1: And and one of the questions that they have is, you know, we have talked about Thanksgiving and the problems with celebrating Thanksgiving, and obviously that is a federal bank holiday, and obviously a holiday for most organizations in the U.S. So how should a company handle the fact that we celebrate Thanksgiving, give employees the day off, and usually the day after Thanksgiving as well? How, What should they do so they could be more inclusive and also acknowledge the genocide that really is celebrated by thanksgiving
0: so for me and i'm just gonna answer this as one indigenous guy's like opinion <laughs>
1: yes of, yes i now want to tokenize <laughs> you and ask you this question yes
0: <laughs> yeah 500 nations have a lot of different opinions and so um but one thing i probably am somewhat safe saying on behalf of those 500 nations is we still want the day off we don't want to, necessarily <laughs> have to work that day so we're not Like we'll take the day off, the paid leave. Um, But really it's more having the uncomfortable conversations about the truth of Thanksgiving and that it was in celebration of slaughter. And then um, really truly recognize the sacrifice that indigenous peoples of this nation have made to make your company successful. Recognize that you're on the land that helps you be successful. Recognize like you know, the, the genocide is part of the sacrifice that made you be in the space that you are, right? And so see that. And so what I ask people to do is not just because like, I feel like when you ask people to reflect on things, that's not there's no do in that moment. Right. And so what I've asked people to do and consider is like maybe taking that next day and really creating a culture within the company of an expectation that like, we are going to spend part of that day doing service in the community on behalf of in recognition and on behalf of indigenous people. Right. And so maybe you feed people out a soup kitchen. Maybe you go and clean up the like the land, do some litter pickup. Right. Because like that's a big deal, like for indigenous folks, like maybe doing service in recognition of the sacrifice of indigenous peoples with that next day, because even indigenous cultures, we don't know what to do on Thanksgiving either. Do we eat? Do we have Turkey? Do we fast? Cause some people like Calvin fasts like over that day. And like, there's not one right answer. Right. And it's how do you navigate that? And what do you do to bring the right heart to that as best as possible? Because it's another situation where there's not a right answer, but I feel like, If you're really going to recognize something, it should cost a little bit. And I think that service on behalf and in recognition is something that acknowledges the cost and then also pays, if not back forward in some way. Um, And then ask people to get out of that, I don't know, problematic mindsets too. like instead of like Black Fridaying, right? Like what can we do to like really practice true gratitude and understand sacrifice and then. Um, give a bit in that same way space too what awesome. would
2: you? thank you. you why are you giggling <laughs> no. said,
1: he said Jacqueline do you have anything oh ask- Jacqueline
2: yeah. he, he oh, pulled out the, the Jacqueline. Jacqueline yeah I love I the Jacqueline have- <laughs> um, oh I'm sorry uh, m- m- I don't speak any French so <laughs> <laughs> What is one thing that you would just wish people to know? Like what people, when you take away from your conversations, like something that you see an issue that consistently comes up that you're always having to answer to, what's one thing that you would want people to know in regards to this work and your experiences?
0: It's, I I hate when I do this because it seems like people think I get all wooey wooey. but I find these quotes so I can say these things, right? But there's a quote from Rumi, and it says it's from a poem, and the last line of the poem is, "Through love, all pain is medicine." And what I pe- what I think people don't understand is all of that ugliness and hurt and pain and everything—it's all just pain manifesting. Like, like I asked my counselor friend about what we're going to do to get out of this situation, and I was like, I think the only way out of this is radical, like a radical movement of healing of individuals across culture. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for me, like, I want them to know, like, even when you do it and you replicate it and you do it unwittingly, like that's pain and you were taught that pain and you doing that to someone else is pushing that pain along. And all I'm asking you to do is let that go, like attempt to heal that pain and not reproduce it again. Because like, When we can, like, heal it, like, it stops happening. And then the other thing, too, is we're also not, like, so responsible or scared of it, right? Because it's just the pain of generations echoing through us and the things that we were unconsciously asked to do. Because, like, it's that that is the biggest issue, right? And, like, um, and I think that's what's so important about the work that we do. And that's also why, like, when I say, you know, like, I think when I say like, you know, don't hire me for this thing, like maybe people will look at me and think that's cool. Like I save that patience for my students because like, I feel like the, the return of investment I get on my students getting to understand this stuff so much earlier and less programmed into the badness that they're doing that I want to like keep that patience for them and not like spend it out at different companies. Like for me, if I'm going to work with different companies, I want to like push you forward in things that like, you're struggling with already. Right. Like, because I need to save my patience for my students. Right. Like for you, you've got the patience, and that's what you do. And you know, it's part of the the cost of doing business, but that's where too, like when I was on your, your podcast, when I was like, thank you so much for what you do. And the fact that you show up and you go to work every single day, having to like do the work that you do. And I, and, and thank God you get the joy from it that you do too, because like, you're on that front line like every single day over and over again all the time as women like and the fact that you're willing to do it you're like you're doing work that frankly I'd rather not do. And I hide in my communication job like where it's easier, you know, and the part of the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast is so people can see and know that like folks like you are out there that you two are in this process of like struggling and realizing and becoming and that, um, it's all, all the drops in the bucket matter, you know, like, of course, one hour of bias training doesn't get you there. Right. But like, y'all are willing to be like, okay, I'm going to take this <laughs> one hour contract. And you, and I mean, I know y'all, I know how you have to do it. You got to be like, oh God, wincing going in. Cause you're just <laughs> like, oh no, like, hopefully this is worthwhile. And I'm just like upset people, you know? we just do
2: this we just make a face that goes
1: (laughs) but but (laughs) no I'm glad you just said that though because I think there's also I don't take that comment I won't take a one and done training yeah because I know that it doesn't truly make an impact and so it's when that ask is there then we have a conversation about what actually needs to happen yeah and and I think it's also educating for folks that are saying yes to that like please, please think about the impact that you could have if you slow down and talk them through what they truly need. And I think a lot of consultants are kind of space right now of trying to slow stuff down because I I mean, we all know the, the murder of George Floyd happened and every company said, we need to do anti-racism training tomorrow and cool. And that's not actually going to solve it. So Let's take a breath, do what's right for your entire team and do what's right for your people. And instead of training is go check on your people color and make sure they're okay. Yeah. And And we can talk through what this other process will be, but go talk to your team, go talk to
2: the humans that yeah. you work with. Oh. And I'm lucky because everybody, I used to take those, but everybody who signs up with me, we have a one year relationship. Nice. At a minimum,
0: that's great,
2: and I'm gonna be all up in it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, I think all no like in me because it. it's like I don't want to take a job to get paid. Like I want evidence things changed. I want to feel better about who you are with the time that I spent. Like when people asked me for George Floyd bids, I was like, I'm gonna quote you the highest numbers in the world. Exactly.
1: Just- Right, right. And if you say yes, then I can actually talk you into something else. So that doesn't, yeah. Right. But but I, I I love what you're saying because I think one of you know I Jackie and I had an episode on writing goals and do we have goals and goals this year is I want to impact a thousand people because that's what it is. For me. It's yeah, it's cool that I get to do this as a job, but it's also like when you see that light bulb go off for someone, ugh. Be energy still my heart. For the next like that, time. just I am so like they get it. They are hearing what I'm saying, and they're going to do better next time.
2: I love internally. I love. We're having this conversation, and all the people we're talking about diversity, and all the people were using the right words, and I just sit back.
0: <laughs> proud. <laughs> oh,
2: proud mama. I'm like, proud mama. Wow. You know, they're My fighting over who's more up. anti-racist. It's so cute. <laughs> so
0: with that, I have to get close to our wrap up time because I only have <laughs> such long stuff. So if you could reiterate um, who you are, what your companies are and how they can get a hold of you, because um, I wanted to put you on this platform for folks that would need folks like you specifically. So um, either one of you want to go first.
1: All right. Well, I am Katie Van Horn. I lead VH Included Consulting and Coaching. You can find me on my website, vhincluded.com. I am on Twitter, Instagram, all the things. And you can listen
2: to Jackie and I on the Inclusive AF podcast as well. And I am Jackie Clayton. That's Jackie with a Y-E, Clayton. There's only one, which makes it a lot easier to find me. Um, I'm a DEI strategist for SeekOut. And I, you can find me on all the things at Jackie Clayton is my username for everything. So we can connect that way. And I look forward to meeting all of you. Absolutely. And, I just and to- listen to our podcast, too.
0: Yes. yes. <laughs> and I want to thank you so much both for being here because like envisioning this, I just thought it would be so much fun to have like diversity of people like talking round table about the ups and downs, the ins and outs. And like, how do we navigate that? Because, you know, we knew there'd be the laughing moments, but then they're like, how do you like bring yourself back to this stuff? Because I think that's what people need to hear. Because I think the mistake that so many people think is that we're done and we had this all figured out. Like we don't and we correct and we talk to each other about things and we're, we're forever in this process of like trying to get a little bit better because there's so much healing that has to happen. And I think um, y'all make it happen in a way that's very approachable and understandable. And uh, I'm very happy to like have you in my diversity family of people. So thank you so much for being here. So with that, um, I've been Rowdy. This is the Inclusive Activism Podcast. If you want to get to know more about me and my organization, it's at inclusiveactivism.com. You can email me at at cox.net. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something that you can take forward and get a little bit better at and with. And I'm hoping um, this sparked opportunities for discussion with you and yours in the same space. So with that, have a great day. Be blessed. Take care.